Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And this is The Biz, the Business Integrity School podcast. Here, we talk about applying ethics, integrity, and courageous leadership in business, education, and most importantly, your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real world experience as a senior executive. So if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome, let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair, and I have with us today an incredible human being. Let me introduce you to him, Ty Smith. Hi, Ty. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let me tell you guys about his incredible background and what he's on the verge of doing now, which is just fascinating. So Ty Smith is a very highly decorated, retired U.S. Navy SEAL close to my heart because I have two sons who are officers in the Navy as well right now. He had, though, multiple deployments in the Middle East. And after 20 years of service to our country, uh, he founded and became an entrepreneur by founding ComSafe AI. And that's a company, it's a tech company that specializes in disrupting emerging threats of unethical behavior, conflict, violence, basically 24 seven by using AI. And they do that in a B2B model. So business to business for some very large enterprises. So in addition to that, Ty also serves on some boards. Uh, one of them being University of Arizona Global Campus. Um, although yes, I'm rooted here at the University of Arkansas. Arizona is still close to my heart given my husband and his family there. So Ty, welcome. <laughs> it's so great to see you and it's wonderful to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm humbled that you would have me on the show and I just really appreciate the time that I have to communicate with you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, so are we. This entire season uh, is all about responsible and ethical use of technology and AI in particular. And I think talking with you is going to be so instructive for the audience because you're actually on the cutting edge of building and deploying products that do exactly that, use tech in a very responsible and ethical way that can help companies actually improve their culture. So before we get too far into that though, Ty, I, I just have to ask if you might share a little bit about your personal journey from an incredibly decorated career in the Navy to now being an entrepreneur after 20 years of the military service. How did you come to that? Sure, I, I have to start by saying, first and foremost, my career in the military was an absolute dream. Um, it was everything that I would dreamed it I dreamed it would be. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL starting at the age of 12. And so when I graduated high school at 18, I left home, East St. Louis, Illinois, with the clothes on my back and, and a dream in my back pocket. And I had no idea that that dream would actually come true in the fullest you know, expression of, of the phrase. And so over a couple of decades of being in the military, during wartime for that entire time, I learned a tremendous amount about human beings. I learned a tremendous amount about grief, as you can imagine. I learned a tremendous amount about emotional intelligence and empathy and what it takes to be a leader, a yeah. real leader of other human beings, not just someone that's in charge of people, 
okay? There is a difference, but a real leader of human beings, a fisherman of, of men and women. And that's who I am inherently. I like to help other people grow. I like to know that I had a hand or a say in someone being successful uh, and being able to look back and tell the story as to how they got from A to B and why they're yeah. so happy to be there. Yeah. And really, that is the talent that I took from my military career into the private sectors. The military taught me how to be a strong leader. The military taught me how to be a team builder, how to build really high-paced, high-functioning teams of high-caliber human beings that come together and build amazing things that no matter how often they are individually, they can never do it on their own. Right. And so when I was planning to retire from the military in 2016, I was originally going to go over to the FBI and I ultimately turned that role down. I was in graduate school at the University of Southern California, completing an MBA at Marshall Business School. I did the, uh -huh. the MBV program, the Master of Business for Veterans, uh -huh. uh, which was awesome in itself. But while I was there, we experienced the, the Inland Regional Center shooting in San Bernardino. Right. And oh, that was, wow. it, it was just, it was catastrophic. You know, 14 people killed, I believe, another 22 mm. injured. And after that happened, probably a couple of weeks after I started receiving calls from friends of mine in the medical community, people that knew my wife and knew me through my wife and, and knew what my background was. And all of these calls were very similar. People saying, Ty, we're scared. This hospital or this clinic isn't providing us with any training. We don't know what to do if someone comes in here and tries to hurt us or the patient. You're literally the only person that we know that understands this kind of madness. Will you come and talk to us about it? How do we stay safe? How do we protect our patients? What's your policy around these types of things look like? Yeah. And after helping three or four organizations um, over a 30-day period of time, as you can imagine, I, I could hear my entrepreneurship professors in the back of my head talking to me. And so ultimately, I turned down the role with the FBI and mm -hmm. decided that, hey, this is a problem that I can help solve. And I have access to a tremendous amount of really smart and experienced people that I think can help me to solve this problem. Yeah. And so that's what started me down that entrepreneurial path. That is an incredible story. And I love it because I think it shows that, you know, you go where life's journey takes you um, and where problems need to be solved and you think you've got the skills to do it, that's where people can really make a difference. And uh, a lot of students at the University of, of Arkansas in particular have a strong entrepreneurial spirit and focus as well. And we'll love hearing your story. I mean, we've got, you know, entrepreneurs here who started J.B. Hunt and who started Tyson and, and Walmart. And there's a real ecosystem now here that is focused on um, continuing that entrepreneurial spirit with tech. So let's talk more specifically about um, ComSafe AI and your company, uh, your product, and um, using tech, like we talked about, in a responsible and ethical way, training people how to look for things that could be dangerous um, is what is all the rage right now because tech has become so predominant that people are starting to see from some pretty public stumbles um, how it can be used in the wrong way. So tell us a little bit about how ComSafe AI um, and the product you've developed, tell us about it and then how it 
kind of helps in that journey of using it responsibly and ethically? Sure. So ConSafe AI is an AI-driven communication safety analysis software that alerts organizational decision makers in near real time when there are instances of toxic communication that are happening on the virtual communication services that the enterprise is using. So company email and chat services. So even if the company is using Slack or Microsoft Teams for employees to communicate, mm-hmm. our solution can integrate with it via an open API. And 24-7, this solution works automatically and autonomously looking for instances of toxic communication, toxic behavior, instances like sexual harassment, bullying, racial discrimination, even threats of self-harm if an employee is having mental health issues at at that time. And ComSafe does this on its own 24-7 so that it illuminates these hidden liabilities that, that hide within the communication services of the organization. It sends real-time alerts to those decision makers more than likely in HR and legal, and it lets them know it's time to inject a human being in this situation before it grows. You know, yeah. and, and that's really, really important to us, and it's one of the reasons why we built this solution is because we found over the last five, six years of really delving into the research around conflict and violence in the workplace and why it's become such a massive problem that's costing U.S. businesses more than $528 billion every single year. And that's just in the U.S. alone. And wait, 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 $528 billion per year. In lost expenses and revenue. That's a huge number. up fast. Well, think think about it. In the wake of a workplace assault, Mm-hmm. You have possible legal damages that yeah. you have to be on the hook for. You have damages that are related to mental health. Mm-hmm. Who witnessed that person be assaulted and how did it affect them? Do we also need to get counseling for that person? Right, right. Who, who's suing us now? Was there damage to property, plant, and equipment? I mean, gosh, these numbers add up so fast. And these instances happen every single day. In fact, According to SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Managers, yeah. one in seven employees experience workplace violence. And the larger or the organization, the higher the risk. The more human beings we put into an organization, the higher the risk. Where CompSafe really helps organizations to solve this problem is by illuminating those hidden liabilities. For example, we look, we look at a recent example involving, and this is public information now, look at the, the Las Vegas Raiders and the, 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 the situation around you know, Coach John Gruden and why he was recently terminated from the organization. You know, he allegedly sent racist emails that started 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years. 10 I years know. ago. The, the original wow. email was 10 years ago and they're just now finding right. that this behavior was taking place. So for 10 years, these liabilities were being hidden throughout the organization. Right. And they could have gone nuclear at any time and they just baked and baked and baked. And now it turned out to be this huge explosion of information that damages right. the brand and reputation yep. of yeah. the organization. And what does that do? It damages the bottom line. 
that right. the organization is paying so much attention to. Right. And so that's where CompSafe AI comes into play because this solution, again, on its own, without the need for a human being to sit and go, I'm gonna look for keywords and, and phrases. We don't need to do that anymore. We have AI to do that for us. Right. And that's what CompSafe AI does 24 seven. And one of the differentiators that we built into this solution is that, that it can look backwards. It can look at data retroactively. So oh, if an organization, good. right, if an organization is concerned about, did that person really say that to that person eight months ago over email? The solution can look backwards and tell the organization what instances of toxic communication took place within that time. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many benefits to that. I mean, it's to your point, it's real time. Um, it uncovers problems early, kind of helps companies like see around the corner so that they can maintain trust with their employees and with their suppliers and with their customers and, you know, potentially avoid like huge right. risks. I mean, it's like finding and dealing with, you know, the pebble in your shoe before you're not able to like walk anymore. Right. I mean, everybody exactly. wants to find those pebbles as soon as possible and get them out. I mean, you're talking about grains of sand, basically. I mean, that, that is, sounds like it could just be a, a real benefit. Do you have any examples of, let's say, during the pandemic, um, which we're obviously still in <laughs> uh, at the moment, <laughs> unfortunately, and it's been going on for, I think, a whole lot longer than any of us expected at the time. Um, I would imagine there were also a fair amount of, of violent threats um, during that time, and people are sequestered and they're in their homes, and we know anger is building up. Do you have any examples of, of pandemic era ComSec? ComSafe AI, you know, success stories or anything? Sure. So when we breach this particular topic, I think it's important that we actually highlight what some of these evolving uh, instances of threats and conflict that are a result of the pandemic. And we have to consider the fact that since the start of the pandemic, we've seen a rise in gun sales in the United States, like record-breaking gun sales. We've seen a rise in the sale of ghost gun parts, which means that there are individuals out there piecemealing together firearms that are totally untraceable by the United States government and law enforcement. And where that scares me is that my brain immediately goes to the siege on our nation's capital in December, and it makes me wonder how many of those individuals were carrying these unregistered firearms. We've also seen a massive spike in child abuse, domestic violence, cyber stalking, cyber sexual harassment, homegrown terror, all of the above, not to mention the increased racial tension that has grown in this country over the last couple of years, the increased political tension, the tension between you know, law enforcement and our minority communities. These are all situations and conversations that are going to make their way back into the workplace, whether organizational leadership acknowledges it or not. As we look forward to reopening the workplace, we have to consider at least the possibility of some of these threats accompanying our employees back into the workplace. Oh, sure. For example, I've had companies, big companies, I'm talking more than 100,000 employee companies reach out to me personally for my leadership guidance regarding, Ty, how do we even tackle this conversation? Yeah. You know, how, how do we even open this conversation amongst a diverse group of employees so that we, because 
make no mistake, we have to have the conversation, but how do we do it across a diverse group of people in a right. way that, you know, we understand there's going to be conflict, but we want there to be growth on the other side of that conflict. Sure. This has to be healthy conflict because this is a really important and realistic conversation. Right. Because make no mistake, some of these threats are going to make their way back into the workplace. And one of the, the powerful results of, of having the CompSafe AI solution is having access to data that allows you to know when and where these conversations are taking place across yeah. the organization. How often are these conversations taking place across the organization? Right. Because one of the things that we found is that oftentimes, Cindy, workplace safety is directly impacted by workplace culture. Yes, agreed. <laughs> and a lot of times, the organization has a vision of what their culture should be. Uh huh. And it isn't aligned with the actual culture of the organization. Right. And leadership. And, often, and it takes too long to bubble up for, exactly. for, for folks to find. So, exactly. yeah. And by yeah. the time they do find it, then we're also dealing with subcultures mm. across the organization. You know, this department thinks differently from this department. Yep. And the beauty of CompSafe AI is, again, it gives leadership access to data that can inform them of what's happening across my organization. How do employees feel? Is there anyone that needs help for God's sake? Yeah. And yeah. that was one of the reasons why we built this solution, keeping in mind the changes that we were seeing to the future of work according to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, and it will help inform, I would think, companies as to, they know they need to have these conversations, like you were saying. They're going to be difficult conversations. People could get angry, but we want growth on the other side of it. Early indications as to whether or not they're having positive results on the other side of it, or if there are early warning signs, right? Like you said, That's so, right. um, you know, and then being able to kind of jump on that, so important. So, you know, Ty, AI, um, obviously it's it's what you use it's what your product is built on um it's often mistrusted uh, and there have been like we talked about at the beginning a lot of examples of how ai has been misused either um uh you know facial recognition and identification doesn't recognize women and people of color as well as white men um, in the hiring process and the promotion process a, a lot of ai um, tools have gotten it wrong um and they exacerbate that human bias as well, um, potentially. Two things that I think are super important um, that I've talked about with some of my other guests is the understanding that the AI needs to be both explainable and transparent uh, to help with adoption, essentially, get us past this point of mistrust. Can you share with us how you think about those two concepts in relation to ComSafe AI and your product? Yeah, that's a fascinating question and, and I love it. So when I, I think it's really important to, to start this answer by, by saying that I am not the smartest person in the world. I get a lot of people that, that you know, go, oh my God, you're the CEO of a, a tech company and it's an AI company. You must be so smart. And it's like, let me stop you right there. <laughs> that's not the case. I'm just smart enough to know to surround myself with really smart people and then I listen to them. So when I think about 
AI, because I am not a technologist, again, I'm a leader of people, I think about it in a very simple manner. And, and this is going to sound funny, but I think about artificial intelligence the way I think about my dogs or any dog in that I hate it when people discriminate against certain breeds of dogs because they're completely skipping past the fact that that animal was trained by a human being or that animal's behavior is the result of learning from human beings. And so I look at AI the same way. Without training data, we can't build artificial intelligence. So that AI is learning whatever is being trained into that AI by technologists that are human beings. And so when we consider explainability, I think that we have to keep it really, really simple. Listen, we used X type of data to train our algorithms to look for Y type of behavior. This is where we got the data. These are the people that trained the data. These are the people that cleaned it, tagged it. There's diversity across all of those people. You don't have an individual that's actually training these algorithms. No way, because there's too much room for bias. And in our organization, thankfully, we are a diverse organization. And the, the style of leadership that I learned coming out of 20 years in the military is that every person should have a voice. And so when we train our algorithms, every person has a voice. It's not just our technologists that are tagging and structuring this data. It's the tech team, including our CTO, including our principal data scientists. It's myself bringing that military culture and that, that global leadership experience into training these algorithms. It's my co-founder. We have male employees, female employees, you know, white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people that are all training this, you know, these models in order yep. to understand when some type of behavior or communication is toxic and when it's not. And that's really special for me because, you know, I, I really get to sit back and go, wow, these models are learning from all of us. And I think that that's really, really important. And so it, it's important to keep it simple. On the other side of that, that transparency, again, I look at it very simply. We have to be very honest about what we are doing and how we are doing it. And organizations have to be honest as well with their employees. So we believe in being very public about our stance on privacy, uh -huh. how we're storing data, how we're protecting our customers' data. Mm -hmm. and, and again, be very public about it where people start to worry about, hey, what are they doing? Is when they have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> you know? So right. be public. Tell people what you're doing, again, how you're doing it, who's involved, and even go so far as to, hey, your stance on privacy and security, consider putting it on your website. Again, where people get worried is when they feel like you're hiding something. So yeah, right. be, you know, lean more toward transparency and honesty in order to avoid that. And that's, yeah. again, because I'm not the smartest person in a room, I think about these things in a very linear fashion. And that's how we're, we're building this company. Yeah. And, and I would imagine for a product like yours, making sure you have diversity of thought um, 
in terms of building it so that it can identify places of workplace uh, uh, potential violence or security or, or culture, that's got to be almost, you know, like, like mission critical, <laughs> number yes, one, you know, right at the top. So yes, ma'am. So that, and that's, that's really why good. for my team, every person has a voice and our algorithms are learning from every one of those voices, yeah. which is very yeah. important. Yeah. Well, and so a couple other things you said that I think are really important for the audience to understand. AI is a tool and it learns from the data, right, that it is fed by humans. Um, and, and so it all really does start with the data and where the data comes from. Uh, but as it evolves so quickly right now, um, there have been some predictions by, you know, some of the big consulting companies about what are some of the, you know, big things that are going to happen in this tech space in 2022. And one of those predictions uh, by PwC was that we were going to be seeing companies, we're going to be seeing a convergence of three things that I think sometimes people think about separately in stovepipes. Convergence of data with AI and in the cloud, which if you don't understand each of those really well on their own, the convergence of it, I think might just really cause some people to say, no way, not ready for that, can't get there, <laughs> you know, uh-uh. Um, but it seems to me that CompSafe AI is almost already there, right? I mean, you're using data, you're using the AI, and I know you have um, uh, the cloud-based technology. Ty, do you think that part of the issue with mistrust of data being used to train AI and it being in the cloud has to do with like some business people just not understanding it. And so as opposed to embracing the unknown, there's this human factor of just shutting down. What are your thoughts on that kind of from a leadership perspective and how do you get over it? No, I, I think that that has a lot to do with it. Uh, human beings, we don't like change. <laughs> I know I don't like change. I'll admit it. Um, it. It's uncomfortable, you know, because it's it's going into the unknown and all we can do is cross our fingers and hope that we've done enough to experience growth on the other side of that change, right? But when you combine that with the fact that enterprise leaders have a tremendous amount of responsibility to their stakeholders, and we're talking about bleeding edge technology, technology is just advancing so these days it's so cool to sit back and see it but these business leaders you know they're focused on things that they should be focused on for example if we're talking about the CEO of a 30,000 employee company that person's responsibilities are vision and strategy fundraising and selling hiring a good team not understanding artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect their organization Right. They bring in people to help do that for them. So those leaders are more concerned with how do I protect the stakeholders of my business? And when yeah. you talk about injecting bleeding edge technology that those organizational leaders don't understand, of course, they're going to be hesitant to actually, you know, incorporate that type of technology because they're not sure of the outcome. They're interested and intrigued because yeah. they understand that this could actually increase my bottom line. This could help me to run my business better. But if they don't know how, and mm -hmm. if they, they, they don't understand how to put that ROI on paper so that it can be a discussion, it makes them very hesitant to do that. 
So I think it's really important that organizational leaders be open to the idea of bringing in, you know, consultants, advisors that are technologists to have this conversation with your leadership about this is what we're seeing on the horizon. This is where technology is going. This is where artificial intelligence is going. This yeah. is how we think it can help businesses as a whole. This is how we th think it could help businesses in your particular space. And now right. let's delve into your business and how we can, how we think it can help your business. And then also businesses shouldn't be afraid to bring in people like AI ethicists. I know that's what we're doing that's because right. even though we have diversity across how we're training our models and across our staff. Again, I come from a community where two is one and one is none. And I would rather have and not need than need and not have. So although we have diversity going into training our algorithms, hey, who's double checking us? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't have enough pride to where I'm gonna say we don't need that double check. So organizations should also consider bringing in people like AI ethicists mm -hmm. that can help to educate them on whether you like it or not, ultimately, yeah. AI is going to be in your business, and this is how it's going to affect your business, and right. this is how you protect the business right. as it advances. Right. So, so let's ask the right questions. Let's you know make sure that we have the right people around the table and answer. I mean, Salesforce is exactly. a perfect example of a company that's hired. You know, it has a whole organization that's focused on um, tech ethics and you know the ethical use of AI. And I completely agree with you. It has to do with asking the right questions getting the right people around the table, the governance set up for it, um, you know, testing the models, checking the models, and then, and then accepting that the long-term future is going to be a little scary and you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, but that shouldn't prevent you from going, uh, going there, right? And hiring Absolutely. the right kind of people to, to That's help. That's right. Yeah. And since you mentioned Salesforce, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, our partner, uh, ServiceNow. So we actually recently integrated this solution across the entire ServiceNow platform. Oh, that's and amazing. We've already received the, the certification, the compliance certification back from ServiceNow. So our solution is going to be live in the ServiceNow store over the next several weeks. And we're really, really excited to have a, a go-to-market partner like ServiceNow. That is amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to hear about that partnership. That is, that's wonderful. Really appreciate it. You bet. Well, Ty, this has been a great conversation. In part, I think what's interesting is one of the points you made is you're not a technologist, right? You're a leader of people, but yet you're leading a tech company. I hope that that actually encourages others out there who are listening to this to understand that they too can do the same thing. Um, and that it, this, this effort that we have to use tech responsibly and ethically and to have it advance our world isn't up just to the software engineers and isn't just up to um, the data scientists. It really takes all facets um, of, of personnel to do that, including those in leadership positions who aren't necessarily technologists. Yes, ma'am. So, so with that, let me ask you, where do you, I always like to leave the audience with some additional resources where they can go to dig a little deeper into uh, a topic. So do you have any good recommendations of, of places you go, either books or podcast series or, um, I don't know, a good documentary maybe you've seen? Sure. So I, I want to start by saying I've learned since transitioning out of a two-decade career in the military that 
first and foremost, there is, is nothing wrong with admitting what you don't know and asking for help. And that is literally all I do on a daily basis at this point in, in my entrepreneurial journey is ask people for help. I talk to people like you and, and, and I go, hey, Cindy, I have no idea what I'm talking about right here. Will you lend me your perspective so that I have more information to make, to base my decisions off of? And so I talk to mentors, other tech, I talk to other business leaders, I talk to very high level technologists, CTOs, chief data scientists, all the time, just to get their perspective. I, I literally talked to three of them yesterday, just to get their perspective to help me make decisions because I'm not a technologist. And so I think it's really important that that, that I say that, especially considering the audience and, and some of those students at the University of Arkansas that are considering going into entrepreneurship. Right. Just because you're the CEO of the company doesn't mean you have to know everything. I will readily admit that I don't know anything, but I'm surrounded by people that know a whole lot and I just go to them and ask for help and they help me make decisions. And then the other side of that is I read voraciously. <laughs> I read as much as I possibly can, as much as my, my time and, and my wife and my two-year-old allow me. <laughs> to, You're busy. To read privacy on my own. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy. And I actually read a book over the last month that was super fascinating. And it's called Artificial Intelligence and Data Science by Bill Hansen, H-A-N-S-O-N. Okay. Um, it's a it, it's a big read, but if you're interested in understanding AI, if you're interested in understanding how data science feeds into the creation of, of artificial intelligence and delving into that conversation around, yeah. you know, potential biases in artificial intelligence, yep. it's a great read. That's a great recommendation. Artificial Intelligence and Data Science, Bill Hansen. We'll put that in the show notes and uh, make sure everybody has access to that. This has been fabulous. Ty, thank you very, very much for your time, uh, sharing a little bit about your journey um, and how you are applying your expertise to solve a problem that definitely needs to be solved. So thank you. Appreciate it thank very you. much. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. You can find us on YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. And you can find us by searching The Biz. That's one word, T-H-E-B-I-S, which stands for The Business Integrity School. Tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.